You're listening to the Quince podcast. China, a country that is so singularly determined to expand its territorial claim in the Asia Pacific, has now built an entire village inside a disputed territory with India. You heard that right. According to several media reports and satellite images, China has built a village that can house thousands in the disputed territory in Arunachal Pradesh. And though the news about the village being constructed is not new, as NDTV had broken the story earlier this year, it got reignited after the US Pentagon published a report on 3rd November highlighting China's growing claim along the LAC. In its annual report, the Pentagon pertinently noted that China has been taking quote-unquote incremental and tactical actions to press its claim at the LAC with India, and that sometime in 2020, China has built a quote-unquote large 100-home civilian village inside disputed territories. Taking note of this report, the Ministry of External Affairs on 11th November stated that it does not accept quote-unquote such illegal occupation and the quote-unquote unjustified Chinese claim. But in a bizarre contradiction to both the MEA and the Pentagon report, Chief of Defence Staff General Bipin Rawat stated that China's construction quote-unquote were well within the path of the LAC and that quote-unquote they have not transgressed anywhere. To make matters more worse and more confusing, China has also introduced a new boundary law, which sends a clear signal that the country plans to use its civilian population to safeguard the quote-unquote territorial integrity, with Sino-India relations already on a tightrope since the most recent core commander talks reaching a deadlock, China's recent actions at the border may have only soured the relations between the neighbours further. Their actions also throw up the following questions. What is China trying to signal by upping the ante in the disputed regions? Does the new land boundary law state that China is no longer interested in a border resolution with India? And lastly, how worrying are these moves for India? To analyse China's recent actions for today's episode, I'm joined by Harshvi Pant, Director of Studies and Head of Strategic Studies Programme at the Observer Research Foundation. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Emmat. To understand China's intent behind its recent transgression at the LAC, it is essential to first understand how it sees the land border with its neighbours. This interpretation is highlighted in its new land boundary law, passed by the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress, which is China's top legislative body, on 23rd October. According to Chinese state media Xinhua, the quote-unquote sovereignty and territorial integrity of China is sacred and inviolable. The law dictates that the state shall quote-unquote take measures to safeguard the territorial integrity and land boundaries and guard against and combat any act that undermines these. For quote-unquote safeguarding territorial integrity, the Xinhua report says that the state can take measures to quote-unquote strengthen border defence, support economic and social development, as well as opening up in border areas, improve public services and infrastructure in such areas, encourage and support people's life and work there. And the latter part of that last statement is essential, given that China is going to quote-unquote reclaim what it considers its land by building towns and villages in these areas. According to an Indian Express report, this is not the first time that China is building infrastructure or resettling the civilian population alongside the LAC. The report, quoting Lieutenant General D.S. Huda, states that China also pitched tents on the Indian side of the LAC in Demchok. 
However, China has also used this tactic of resettling the civilian population to increase its territorial claim in the past as well, most notably by literally constructing artificial islands in the South China Sea to increase its sea border. So, how big of a security threat is the border law for India? According to Harshvi Pant, Director of Studies and the Head of Strategic Studies Program at ORF, resettlement of the civilian population is the standard modus operandi of China. He adds that the border law does not necessarily change the dynamics of the Sino-Indian relations, but the gradual encroachment along the LAC is a major security concern. This is their standard, uh, you know, modus operandi. Yeah. What, what, you know, they, this gradual shifts, uh, gradually they change the, uh, you know, the status quo, mm. uh, and then, then they, you know, then they give their opponents a new reality to contend with, right? Yes. So if you go to South China Sea, for example, the artificial islands that they that they've constructed mm. had, uh, you know, and they and they started doing they doing that in bits and pieces. Now, mm. no one at that particular point in time stood up to China and said back off. Mm. Now, perhaps had uh, had the international community, or in particular the U.S., uh, the, or then the Obama administration would have, you know, stood up and challenged the Chinese. Uh, the situation would not have arisen. Mm. But then, because uh, no one really responded to that, they got emboldened. Then they, you know, that those artificial construction, uh, construction of artificial islands, uh, took an altogether new dimension. And by yeah. the time the world realized was a new reality for the world to contend with. Yeah. Similarly, along the along the border, uh, you know, this this border law does not actually change uh, the dynamics of Sino-Indian border problem in any way. What what has been happening gradually over the last few decades is this gradual encroachment along the border. Mm -hmm. you know, which no one recognizes. So step by step, they would come in and they would settle some population. They would move in. They would move their posts uh, and uh, and uh, uh, towards the Indian side. Mm -hmm. And and I think uh, because uh, India was ill prepared and the Chinese uh, from their side built the border infrastructure to a commendable level, mm -hmm. uh, that imbalance resulted in China becoming more aggressive over a period of time in shaping the, their territorial claims over Indian territory. So mm. this is not something new that is happening. What is what is the only thing that is happening is that today India is more aware of what is happening. Yeah. And that, that awareness um, means that gradual, you know, gradual encroachment on Indian territory today is being resisted. But uh, perhaps we are already very late because the, there is a new reality that India has to contend with now. Mm -hmm. That the border has been moved to a certain extent, that uh, the, uh, the settlements have increased to a great extent, and there is a new uh, there is a new reality uh, which will define the course of future uh, future negotiations. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, you know the, the law itself uh, is not uh, really uh, you know the, the problem. The problem is and has always been the actions of the Chinese Communist Party and PLA mm -hmm. along the border. Yeah. And that is what we are, uh, you know, the, the, the challenge remains. And taking a cue from what Mr. Pan said about India possibly being late to respond to China's encroachment, there are critical policy and security implications which may affect India in future negotiations with China. Pertinently, the village reportedly built by China, located on the banks of River Sari in Arunachal Pradesh's Upper Subansari district, highlights a policy concern. According to an NDTV report, the village consists of 101 homes and satellite images dated 1st November 2020 confirm that the construction is approximately 4.5 kilometers within the Indian territory. The report adds that though the area is under Indian territory, it has been in Chinese control since 1959. But why is China building villages to increase its territorial claim in the first place? 
According to a Times of India analysis, the idea of building a functional society or quote-unquote Xiaokong is an old tactic of the Chinese Communist Party. The report adds that China has built nearly 680 Xiaokongs along the LAC. The report also adds that these functional societies are quote-unquote meant to lure Indian villagers towards a better Chinese life and that quote-unquote serve as additional eyes and ears for Beijing. This move of resettlement of civilian population also cleverly aligns with Article 7 of the 2005 India-China Agreement, which states that quote-unquote interest of settled population on both the sides would be kept in mind while finding a solution to the border conflict. In simple words, China is trying to change the border equation in the disputed territories and changing the status quo. And apart from constructing villages alongside the LAC and in disputed regions, China's People's Republic Army, or PLA, has also been increasing patrols in these regions, especially in Arunachal Stavang. According to an Indian Express report, in three sectors of Tawang, Lungrola, Zimitang and Bumla, the PLA has dramatically increased its training and visits by senior officials and patrolling compared to previous years. For example, the maximum increase in activity was seen in Zimitang, where 33 senior officers visited in 2019, 102 in 2020 and till September this year, 84 officials have already visited that area. Patrols have also doubled from 6 in 2019 to 12 by September this year. Mr. Pan says that China is unilaterally trying to change the border and that its actions of the past 18 months go against the letter and spirit of all agreements signed with India to maintain peace and tranquility at the LAC. See, everything that has happened since last year uh, is a repudiation of, ex- of the status quo mm-hmm. uh, and of, of what existed, uh, say, before uh, March 2020. Now, mm-hmm. what the Chinese have done is is that they have, uh, you know, they have uh, uh, gone against the letter and the spirit of uh, of all the agreements that had been signed by India and China to maintain peace and tranquility along the border since 1989. Mm-hmm. It was when Mr. Gandhi went, uh, Mr. Rajiv Gandhi went there, and uh, uh, and uh, you know, we had a we had a series of agreements after that till 2000, um, um, uh, you know, till the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we continued to underscore this, this uh, these agreements, both uh, in, in you know in, in the sense of uh, maintaining uh, peace along the border, so that other aspects of Sino-Indian relations can prosper. Mm-hmm. But clearly now, what India is saying is that you know what China has done is is that it has unilaterally tried to change the border. Yeah. It is now unilaterally saying that we will we have we have entered into this terrain, and now that you know, which which as far as India is concerned is a, is a disputed terrain. But China now claims that we have entered this terrain, we are not going to move back. Yeah. And therefore, negotiations should, should happen now from this uh, mm-hmm. point onwards, mm-hmm. which is unacceptable to India because India is saying status quo ante uh, yeah. should be the should be the uh, approach. That in, uh, if, if China is serious about negotiations, mm-hmm. it, will have to go, it's, it will have to go back to positions it was holding before March 2020. Mm. China is not interested in it. Yeah. So I think a, a lot of that is happening. Uh, a, a lot of that is uh, is true. Uh, that China has signaled that it is it, it doesn't desire uh, a, a long-standing or, or, a, or, a, or a comprehensive resolution to this problem. What they have been saying over the last few months is that we will give you, uh, you know, partly we will agree on, you know, along Pangong Lake we will do this, along mm-hmm. um, other areas we will do this, but no comprehensive agreement where they move back. Uh, to the uh, to, to pre March 2020 uh, positions, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and that is uh, that is that remains a sticking point. Now, of course, they you know they have now uh, come up with their own law, yeah. uh, 
you know the the new border law which which is i mean in some ways it is not surprising mm-hmm. but what it does is is that its timing and its language yeah. uh, you know i think make it uh, a big deal because yeah. the timing is of course when there is a stand up along the lac and where mm-hmm. the border issue is, is such a serious one for both yes. sides to resolve yeah and of course the language is also something you know that borders mm. are sacred and inviolable and pna has been given the responsibility to protect these borders yeah. uh, if there are any further negotiations so i think in in some ways militarization of border dispute mm-hmm. is something that that is happening uh, and there are there is there is a sense that uh, while you know in 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 the case of any normal country uh, you know it would be it would be quite uh, you know prosaic to to have these kind of uh, laws but in the case of mm-hmm. india and china uh, this is going to be uh, a challenge uh, given the given the problems that they are facing mm-hmm. and also the fact that you alluded to that you know uh, about the settled population because the law calls for increased settlement of the civilian population yes. along the border Mm-hmm. which is which is i think uh, you know this is something that china has used as strategy yeah. of moving its civil population along the contested part of the lac mm-hmm. on the basis of which it it can claim ownership and that is what they are you know that they are uh, interested in that is yeah. what uh, they have done in the past yeah. and that is their modus operandi in some ways so mm-hmm. i think india will have to be very careful in terms of what happens next Uh, and and how these all these episodes will be linked together yeah. uh, as the negotiations happen because now it will be a package deal for india yes. uh, which the chinese would say that look we are here our, our populations are here uh, mm. and we have uh, villages here we have settlements here mm. so therefore there is no way we are going to go back yes. and now you have to if, if negotiations have to happen if they have to happen on our terms now coupled with the increase in patrols by pla soldiers and construction of villages in disputed areas What may be more worrying for India is China's growing nuclear arsenal. This was revealed in the US Pentagon's annual report which states the worrisome conclusion that China is on a path to a higher level of alert during peacetime and that despite the pandemic the country continued to scale up its military operations and capacity. According to the Pentagon report China's quote-unquote accelerating pace may enable the country to have quote-unquote up to 700 deliverable nuclear warheads by 2027 and at least 1000 warheads by 2030 this figure is worrisome given that pentagon's 2020 estimate shows that china only has around 200 warheads this move according to a washington post report signals the us and the world that china is capable to deter any coercion in the future if any conventional or non-nuclear war breaks out In response to the Pentagon report, China has stated that it is "quote unquote" full of prejudice with a disregard of facts, and reiterated that it will never use nuclear weapons in any circumstance. So, why is China scaling its nuclear armament with such speed if it is not planning to use them? According to Mr. Pan, China will do everything to emulate the United States, its arch rival, and emerge as a real world competitor. In this context, an increase in nuclear armament is essential. for china uh, the for china the only peer competitor today is the us mm-hmm. and therefore uh, they will do everything to emulate the us in that sense i don't think okay. russia counts at all uh, russia is a second tier country as far as china is concerned and china, russia is, if you look at russia's behavior russia has followed mm-hmm. china on almost all of the issues mm-hmm. so where the chinese are concerned is primarily looking at america and what can be done to manage uh, to, to to emerge uh, or as a real peer competitor to to the us mm-hmm. and in that in that context what the what the pentagon's report highlights is that uh, 
you know, on a, at, at a number of levels, Chinese have taken over, and uh, and the kind of advancements that they have made uh, are quite staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether you are talking of the nuclear triad, mm-hmm. where they are where they are talking of uh, you know land-based missiles, uh, sea-based deterrence, yeah. uh, as well as uh, air air uh, uh, power, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the sense of the air leg of the nuclear triad, the mm-hmm. PLA Air Force. Uh, first time revealing uh, its uh, nuclear capable uh, air to air refuelable bomber. You know, mm. all of these, all of these are about uh, you know establishing China as a top tier nuclear weapon state across the board. Mm. That it is, it is about not you know it is about uh, thinking like a global player uh, when it comes to the nuclear question i think this yeah. is what chinese think that look this was this was how americans and soviet union operated during the cold war yeah. and now that we are there as a peer competitor we have to move in that direction yeah. so 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 you know old narrative of um, mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, this idea of, of credible minimum deterrence. You know, we mm-hmm. always talk of this. India talks about this a lot. Yeah. But Chinese also used to do this. That we are happy with with a limited yeah. number of nuclear weapons. That they don't matter. Yeah. All of that has been is being brushed aside now. You know, mm-hmm. they are saying it doesn't matter. We are going to decide a new level of deterrence with the Americans, mm-hmm. and we are going to go all out and uh, and create uh, not only a nuclear triad but also uh, the, in terms of delivery, but also nuclear uh, uh, warheads. Yeah. So. In a sense, the whole logic of deterrence is changing for them. Mm. They are also interestingly talking of, uh, uh, you know, uh, how do you think uh, of uh, low yield nuclear weapons, mm. which is which is very interesting because again it shows that they are looking at changing their uh, approach towards nuclear weapons from political instruments to instruments of war fighting. Yeah. That. Uh, that nuclear weapons should not be looked at primarily as a means to deter. Mm-hmm. We are now looking at lower yield nuclear weapons so that we can increase the deterrence value of our own nuclear force. Yeah. So in a sense, the, the nuclear uh, engagement uh, which the which the uh, Pentagon talks about, which the report talks about, is about uh, a new sense of confidence in China about uh, in, uh, as to where they belong in terms of global nuclear hierarchy mm-hmm. and how we are going to establish that new de- new deterrence levels with the U.S., which will lead to lots of difficulties and challenges, you know, when, mm-hmm. when nuclear powers engage with each other, Soviet Union and America, when they yeah. were relating to each other during the Cold War, it was a long time before they could come to some sort of a stability. Mm-hmm. So now Chinese are indicating that they are moving to a, towards a different level and America will have to find different ways of, uh, of engaging uh, on the nuclear question. Mm. Uh, similarly, you also have a very interesting aspect of the Pentagon report that talks of Taiwan crisis. Yeah. So 2027, where, uh, where it becomes very clear that, uh, you know, when uh, the, capabil- the capabilities of PLA are going to achieve a certain dangerous level by around 2027, when a lot of the American uh, researchers are predicting that that might be the window when the Chinese might want to use uh, mm. to pressure uh, Taiwan. Uh, course Taiwan and to make to make sure that uh, you know that the negotiations of Ta- around Taiwan uh, happen, that Taiwan is brought to the negotiating table, that Americans are deterred, all of those things in terms of the timing, that how they are developing their their uh, their nuclear. Uh, their, their sort of conventional capabilities around Taiwan Straits. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, I think a lot of these questions are being raised by um, by this report, uh, which actually maps out the, uh, the the growth of China as a mm-hmm. 
uh, as a qualitatively and quantitatively superior military power yeah. uh, that I think a lot of the world discounted uh, almost even as as far back as a decade back. Mm. You know, no one was willing to buy that Chinese would have these kinds of assets so soon. Mm-hmm. But today they have everything. Yeah. And they have, you know, uh, uh, from uh, nuclear bombers to uh, submarines, nuclear submarines. Mm-hmm. And that is what they believe is important for them. Chinese believe is important for them to project power around their periphery, but also globally, because that's what they think they are. They are a global power, and, and mm-hmm. that is in sync with their own ambitions of making China uh, a world-class power by 2049. So how worrying are these signs of military posturing and nuclear capability for India from one of its closest neighbours, which has not only gone back on its word multiple times, but has also refused to negotiate the border agreements? Mr. Pant, Vezan. Oh, it's very worrying because, see, uh, one of the things that we took for granted was that uh, while uh, we have two problem neighbors, right, mm-hmm. uh, Pakistan and China, but with Pakistan, we always, be, uh, with, you know, with Pakistan, we always had this problem of um, extreme degree of volatility in the system, uh, the Pakistan not being a responsible power, Pakistan mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, a country that is ruled by, uh, by, uh, um, uh, you know uh, the military and the mullahs, mm. uh, and and so uh, you know so there, so there was there was always this concern that traditional approach to nuclear deterrence may not work, and it was not working because Pakistan, you know, Pakistan was the country that first moved towards these tactical nukes. Mm. You know, uh, uh, you know, their, their argument being that India is so powerful conventionally that we need, if we want to deter India, we need nuclear weapons that that are loyal enough to be used on a battlefield. Yeah. So. In a sense, uh, you know, there was always this problem. But with China, there was always this consensus that China is a, you know, stable country. Uh, thinks like a major power. Yeah. Uh, you know, is not interested in uh, uninhibited uh, nuclear expansionism, uh, and uh, therefore. Uh, the whole approach of, uh, you know, uh, credible minimum deterrence was also something that Chinese thought about. The Chinese Mm. argued, uh, if you go back even to a decade back, Chinese leaders were arguing that we need minimum deterrence capability to deter uh, our rivals. But beyond that, we don't want to invest in nuclear weapons. Now, Mm. today... When you when you are seeing this kind of expansionism, when you are looking at the debate in China that is talking about uh, tactical nukes, I think this is a lot to be uh, to be digested and to be uh, to be worked uh, into our own calculus and to into our own systems. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the times. Uh, uh, you know, when this debate has been raised in recent past uh, about India changing its no first use policy, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and this and that, uh, you know, certain debates have have have, uh, uh, have been uh, you know uh, talked about in certain quarters in India. Some people have raised, although government yeah. of India did not really change anything. Our, our, our doctrine remains the same, mm-hmm. but. Uh, People have been talking about it, and it generates a lot of controversy in India. But it yeah. seems to me that uh, you know those sorts of decisions, those sorts of debates, and 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 uh, and those sorts of policy decisions, India will have to take them much sooner yeah. uh, than I think at one point India thought about. Uh, yeah. India would have thought about. Indian policymakers would have thought about because mm-hmm. clearly uh, China's rise, China's expansionism mm-hmm. uh, is 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 a challenge. But it is also uh, difficult to uh, not to link it with the larger. Ex- expansionism in the nuclear profile that China mm. is, is setting up. China may be targeting the Americans, but it will have implications for India and for other regional players. And it will be, I think, very, very interesting to see how other new, other powers in Asia also react to it.
mm-hmm. uh, because we've already seen now this AUKUS deal yeah. where uh, you, uh, where Australia is talking about some kind of capability, although they won't have, uh, I mean, they have nuclear submarines in, yeah. in some ways, but uh, uh, you know, but Australia is, uh, has uh, is not a nuclear weapon state mm-hmm. in that sense. So how would this impact this new thinking impact the region? Yeah. Uh, and of course, for India, uh, you know, more proliferation is not good news. If you have mm-hmm. lots of uh, proliferators around, that's not a good news for India. Yeah. But uh, the ability of India to shape that would be very limited if China continues to, uh, you know, work along the trajectory that we are being told it is moving towards. After the last core commander level talks on 11th October, both sides agreed to quote-unquote maintain communications and also maintain stability on the ground. However, everything we spoke about in today's episode, from the increase in patrolling to China's border law, the Pentagon report on China's nuclear armament, come after 11th October, signalling a clear change in the status quo for China. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.